2: i will will share with you my one rage quit story you know i'm a robot and i don't have a solo press now eight this is gonna be a
0: really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up all right welcome back rage nation that's right we're not gone we're still here We've got pete with chris and john like i feel like if you're not living in like england or parts of europe that it's just kind of a boring time to be playing guild ball right now well
2: when you're in a meta that it's just yourself, and there are no tournaments going on within five hours of you. I mean, what, what's there to be excited about? Right.
1: <laughs> literally just playing against yourself in your house.
2: <laughs> no, I've gotten no other games. I'm not playing myself anymore.
1: <laughs> uh, and then yeah, Chris, what have you been up to? I've been trying out some new things. I've been trying out some Song of Ice and Fire. I've been trying out some Walking Dead: All Out War. I've been trying out a few new things. Yeah, Chris. Listen to the Privateer Press keynote at Lock and Load. Ooh, ooh, what happened there? They announced a new game. There's a lot of speculation as far as some changes that will be happening with Privateer Press. Uh, Apparently next year they will be releasing a brand new skirmish game that takes place in the world of the Iron Kingdoms. But it won't be the Iron Kingdoms anymore because it's about 5,000 years into the future. And you mean in the, be in the grim darkness sci-fi... where there's only
0: war? What in the grim darkness where there's only war?
1: I I, I guess so. I guess they're they're nipping at uh, GW's heels.
2: I don't know what hell y'all are talking about. <laughs> well, I mean, so okay.
1: I'll, I'll, do you want me to just explain it no. for John and the <laughs> listeners? No. Okay. Okay.
2: Just tell me what game you're talking about. It's Warma- so, War Machine. Oh, cool.
1: Well, so okay, so what they've done is they said that they're they've announced that they're going to do a new game called Warcaster. It will be separate from War Machine. The mechanics will not be the same as War Machine. It takes place five thousand years in the future from War Machine, and things will be very customizable. Somebody can build out their own Warcaster. Somebody can build out their own Jacks. So things that people have been asking for in War Machine are just going to be standard within this new game and they said that it will be smaller smaller battle groups like it'll be like maybe twenty models instead of the huge armies that war machine has and they wanted to design something that was much more caster versus caster
2: so, so war machine 5k
1: yeah yeah basically <laughs> but uh, the, the speculation that is happening with this that i'm seeing online and in groups is a lot of people have been critical and i know pete you've been critical about war machine blowing up too big and that there's too much to keep track of and so a lot of people are speculating that they might make a shift where they balance out war machine one final time and it becomes a legacy game and then they shift the attentions of the of the company uh... which is like i think twenty years old now or something like that like shift their attention to a new game that is a little bit more skirmish, a little bit more updated, modern rule sets.
2: A bit more rock and roll.
0: Yeah, yeah I guess the, so. The company's more like 15, but yeah, I, get, I definitely get what you're saying because I watched the finals game between, I, I don't know who was in the finals. I was more watching it just because I was curious of just how the game seemed to be playing at that moment. And they just they had these huge war engines and you know there's stuff all over the board. And it they had the zones, and I know people like the zones in War Machine now, but yeah, I, I was just like, man, that's just that's exactly the reason I got out of there. There's just too much going on there. So, and it's funny that you mentioned kind of like the direction of the company because that's that's where we're gonna start off. And I know I didn't say at the beginning of the, this episode, but we're actually gonna take since there's not much going on Guild Ball wise, we're actually gonna take questions from people. About Guild Ball from like Twitter and Facebook and stuff that I, I asked either this week or last week for questions. And we're just gonna answer some of those because, uh, like I said, unless you're like in England and Vengeance is coming up, there's really not a lot of Guild Ball going on. Even if you went to Origins up in Ohio, which usually is a pretty big convention. And in the past, Steamforge has had a booth there and they had limited edition stuff for sale there. I ended up getting a limited edition mat from there when our uh, buddy Jacob went up there because he goes there every year and this year no no booth for uh for steamforge so it's just there's stuff going on but steamforge doesn't seem to be a part of it at least in the united states now obviously vengeance is going to be different so you mentioned chris the idea that looking at privateer press they're they're maybe speculatively looking at changing their direction and kind of going to different games and, you know, going to kind of tie this game off in a nice little bow. Is that something where we can see Guild Ball also going? Guild Ball has been in existence now for, you know, more than four seasons. And and is that something we, we see them going in a different direction?
1: Yeah, I would say that would be wise. And the reason why I say that is the only things that can happen now with Guild Ball is to release new guilds, new special rules and that sort of stuff is gonna make it complicated and they're, you're gonna run into the same types of issues that games like War Machine have had where they're so complicated and you need to understand so many different combos of what could be coming at you that it's it's just brutal. It's It's gonna be Uh, the type of thing where no one wants to just get smashed for, you know, 30 games before they see their first win. Like, people want a game that's easy to learn, nice, tight, concise rule sets. They can pick up quickly. They feel, for those that are competitive, they feel like they can be competitive um, promptly. Um, I, I don't think anyone complains about the idea of a game where it's, like, easy to learn, hard to master. Like I, I don't think anyone has a complaint about the fact that it there's more that can happen down the road, but people want to feel like they have a grasp of it and they're not just getting gotcha constantly. And unfortunately with huge rule sets and a huge diversity of models, that's what you're gonna feel. You're gonna feel like you're getting gotcha all the time.
0: Well not only that, but I think there's also something to be said about the design space is kind of being filled up and now when they if they do make a new guild it's like okay well how different is this guild really going to be from something else that they've already done like we've, we we know in guild ball there's two general kind of teams right you have you know the footballing team and then you have the fighting team so you really can't get too much away from one or the other and you could be a mix of both but then it's like okay well now you're kind of like the masons so they're, I think they're also just running out of design space. A lot of it might just be the same kind of stuff that we've already seen. And when, I don't know about you guys, but if there's a game and they're release, releasing the same type of stuff, that that disinterests people in the long run. Yeah, and now they're also starting to get into these board games. And I mean, I don't know, maybe it is a good move for them to pick up all these board games and... Maybe just kind of let Guild Ball run its course for the next, you know, couple years.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're going to finish out what they're doing. They're going to finish out releasing minor guilds. They're going to finish out, uh, I, I would imagine, into Season 5. And I think that, I think that what they're going to do, though, is... And I don't know where I heard this before, but I heard this very early on, before I even met you, Pete, that the person... Or one of the early people that I played Guild Ball with made a comment about that it's there there's basically an end to Guild Ball, that eventually it will be to the point where everything gets released, they have a nice, you know, bow on it, and then they move on to other things. And I think that there's probably some desire to do that within that Steamforge team. And and I don't think that they're wrong to do it. Like those game licenses that they have for the video game stuff, I'm sure that's going to be incredibly profitable for them. I'm sure that there are people that really want to dig into and build God Tier and take on the challenge of building that new game. I think that there are a lot of people that are moving toward hex games and I I I would like the idea of them making those adjustments and changes. I just want them to leave us with a very well balanced uh game of Guild Ball, and I have no problem with something being a legacy game.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of games that, you know, the company doesn't release anything else for it, and a lot of those games are pretty successful. So, you're definitely I just, I hope that they finish it off and the product's available, because I don't know about you guys, I've played a lot of games that they get kind of like, I wouldn't say finished, but either they get finished or killed off, and then the company doesn't support that anymore. And the game that pops up to me automatically is there was a a space game probably in the mid-2000s, Battlefleet Gothic. It was a GW game. And basically it was the Warhammer 40K universe, but it was the space fighting. So it was actually like the ships and the armadas. And you 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 would take your Chaos Space Marine fleet against this Orc fleet. And it was a pretty fun game. But the, the problem was is after they discontinued supporting it you couldn't find models you couldn't really get the rules unless you knew where to look and it it just wasn't supported so it it just kind of died off except for a few people who really held on to uh held on to their stuff so i'm just hoping that guild ball doesn't become that and that it stays supported by the company
1: I will say one thing uh, before we, unless you have a bunch of Guild Ball questions. I do. But one thing that I do want to mention is for everybody that is kind of jumping out of Guild Ball, it is a buyer's market right now, so I don't think that I'd recommend that people sell a bunch of stuff right now, because I don't think the game is going to die. I think it's going through a lull. Why would you want to sell all your stuff for pennies on the dollar? Yeah when everyone else is at the moment. Like, just hold on to your stuff. I'm sure that things will be released. I'm sure you'll want to play Guild Ball again at some point. And when you do, great. You're going to have your stuff.
0: Yeah, there's just, it's one of those moments where there's just, like you said, a lull. It's like nothing's really getting released right now. Not a lot of big events. Vengeance is the next big one that we're going to see that everybody is pretty excited for. So... I would just say, like, you don't sell your stuff right now because I see people selling stuff and it's just sitting there. And I'm like, you know, you might might as well just hold on to it. Looking at that, a couple questions that we do have from people besides that one. That one I thought was really interesting. The next big question that I had actually comes from uh, this is John's boy, Dan White Ear. Something that he asked, and I thought this was a really good question. It was talking about the pundit program. And just looking at that and just what's our opinion about it and should it be disbanded is it really that important and so i think that's a valid question to ask with the pundit program and those of you that don't know which i think most people do but it's basically people that sign up to be a pundit and they run events and steamforge puts information through them sometimes not not that recently but sometimes and they just help kind of keep the community alive. So my question is, what's your guys' opinion on the Pundit program? And do you guys think it's successful? Is there something you would change with it? So I'll just kind of ask you guys first before I put in my two cents.
2: I don't think it's really supported enough. Like I don't think they, there's enough. I mean, they do, they do some, a little bit of rewarding through getting the, running the little like tournament kits or event kits or whatever. There's not enough incentive of, are you demoing? What are you getting out of demoing? What's really the point of being a pundit?
0: Yeah, so I will say that that's definitely something I agree with, and I'll go into that a little bit more. But Chris, what's your opinion on the pundit program since you used to be a pundit?
1: Yeah, and I was a pundit until they reset that thing. But um, I would say that any effort being put into the pundit program, is better directed toward supporting stores and making sure that they get product and making sure they get product on time. I want a pundit program to exist because there are times where people put things on and they don't really have a store support but I don't feel like there should be a lot of focus on it. I'd much rather see a focus on making sure the stores can do their ordering direct and all that kind of stuff that Steamforge said they were going to do I'd, r- I'd rather see them be able to release boxes of minor guilds on time like any effort that's being put toward the pundit program could be better suited someplace else
0: yeah and it's one of those things where you got to decide what do you want your pundit program to be because if if you just have it there to be like hey these are the people that run events it's like you don't need a program to run events right I don't need a program to tell me to run tournaments. Like if I wasn't a pundit, I would still run tournaments. I would still, you know, put on events. And that's, I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing. You know, STC ended up falling through for those of you that didn't know. Since that event's not happening, I'm going to end up running it in January. And I'm going to put, you know, some, put some teeth behind it. I already got a ton in prize support for it. It's just going to be obviously into the next year and it's going to be a really sweet event. And I don't need the pundit program to tell me that, to tell me to do that, right? It's just something that a game is going to get run by somebody in the community. If you want a program in place to encourage that more or to encourage people to get more people involved, you need to then put put some kind of like direction to it and Privateer Press used to do a really good job with their Press Ganger program where basically you earned points and you could do that by doing things like running demos and then you got X amount of points and then you could use that points to get prizes and then use those in your events. And it was a really slick system until they shut it down, whether that was because of money or whether it was because of that lawsuit with Wizards of the Coast that they were having on with their judges. Whatever the case is, the program got shut down and I think you saw with the exception of certain areas, a lot of events that are being run, go down. So if you don't want to push the meta in a direction that you want, I don't think you need a program to do that because honestly right now I'm not getting much extra benefits from being in that pundit program. I mean, we get a newsletter once in a while, which is fine. Um, really you got a pundit store and you can buy pretty much the same stuff you can buy in the regular store. And it's, it's just, I don't think there's a huge benefit to that program and it's one of those things where, you know, I'm I'm glad I'm a pundit, I, I guess I got that tag and I guess it makes me run better tournaments in the eyes of, <laughs> of the company, I guess, I don't know. So, I don't know, I just think that it's, if you're gonna have a program, you want it to have more of a direction, Right now it just seems like a program just to say you have the program kind of thing. It doesn't seem like there's any kind of, you know, fidelity behind it or any kind of direction that it's being pushed towards.
1: Well, they are releasing those boxes to like those tournament kit boxes that have like the two of four various rarity limited edition models and stuff. Yeah, the new yeah.
2: organized play kit. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, So I mean like they they do have things. One thing that I think uh, Steamforge totally gets right in their pundit program versus other corresponding programs for other companies is i like that they speak to the pundits about how that prize support is supposed to be delivered and that it's not just winner take all that it's you know hey if somebody's playing this guild you know try to get them these support models or or whatever like that they're they're trying to say that you know support other things like painting or whatever it is i like that they encourage their pundits to specifically do that because you hear other companies privateer press being one in their address like they they have their own kits for various things and they specifically said like you know so yeah if you want this you can you have to win it you know you, you that's the only way you can get it and steamforge isn't about that they're like okay hey, you know what this person's playing the cooks so you know the people that are playing the cooks get one of them, the tenderizer and one of them, the shank model or whatever.
0: Yeah. And something else that I thought would be really cool for the pundit program to do is have, you could do this either officially with like some kind of website, or you could actually just do this just from one coordinator. But for private to your press, they used to have it where if there was a big tournament, so like if you had your nationals or for, uh, Privateer Press, it's you know lock and load tournament. They would have basically like, hey, we need X amount of press gangers to help out in these events. And a lot of those big tournaments are run by you know just like Steam Forge are run by pundits. But you know you should be calling more for those people. So when you have these big you know Western Nationals and you have these Eastern Nationals, it should be like, hey, we need X amount of pundits to help out run this thing and let's make it awesome and there's not that kind of unified front with the pundit program it's basically just like hey pundits that know each other help each other out and that's kind of how that goes right now how many how many companies really do a good job of that I mean depends on which comp I mean it just depends I mean it's one of those things where pra- privateer press I don't know what they do for their events anymore because I'm not involved in it they used to do a really good job with it. Uh, same thing with Games Workshop. They used to have pretty strong regional people that you know supported the events. Even, um, even the Games Workshop store in Charleston here, they do a pretty good job reaching out to other stores and saying, like, hey, we're having this event at the store. And they're pretty proactive with it. So I, I think other companies either used to do a good job or do a fairly good job right now it's just one of those things where it's like, what do you, you just steam forge needs to sit down and say, what do we want the pundit program to be? Okay. Do we actually need it? If the answer is yes, we want this to, you know, support new players to get game interest, then fine. Okay. Use it for that. But you need to find a way to promote and push people to do that. Cause like right now, I mean, pundits are running tournaments and yeah, they'll do a demo, but I really don't see a ton, ton of demos being done. Right. And uh I don't know it's like you just have to figure out what you want your program to be and if you don't know what you want it to be then you might as well just disband it so that's kind of the, uh, the pundit question just kind of figure out what you want okay, what else you got figure out what you want it to be uh, this let's see here this was an interesting question so you know how you can pre-register your teams for tournaments like on long shanks and stuff?
2: So you can be like, I'm going to play the Butcher's Guild. Except nobody actually puts, well, most people don't put what they're actually going to play and they just put random ass shit. <laughs> yeah, so
0: like John will put that he's playing like, I don't know, Rat Catchers?
1: <laughs> I,
2: did this, I did that one time just to fuck with you.
1: <laughs> and anyway, Or at Spring Fling when Bill just randomly assigned things and then people freak freak out that they're not planning on playing that, but they've been assigned it.
0: Well, and the reason why is cuz we got a question on Twitter where it was asking basically, okay, is the game developed enough not to reveal your team on Longshanks before a tournament? So that way there's more of a surprise and ideally it'd be balanced enough where it's like, okay, I don't have to worry, you know, if there's this team because the game is balanced enough. So I shouldn't worry about what teams are being brought.
1: The game is not balanced now. If that if that's your question and as far as the Longshanks thing I think most people don't don't hedge their bets on what Longshank says pre showing up to the event. Like I, I I don't think that I don't think Alex Bots is like, okay, well these guys say they're going to be playing this. Let me craft my entire strategy based on them saying that on Shank. I don't think anybody does that.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that don't bring or don't say what they're bringing. Like I know Chris, you specifically, even though I know you're going to play butchers most of the time, you still don't put what team you're bringing.
1: Well, it's... (laughs) So, if you really want the truth, part of that is because I've literally never done it, so I don't even go through the process of learning how to use the long shanks that way. Um, Secondly is, I also think it's kind of funny because, like, everyone knows that Everyone knows what I'm going to play, or at least within, like, the realm of reason, right? they know I'm going to play butchers. Um, I would definitely take cooks to a tournament just because I like them. And so I, I do think it's kind of funny just not putting it up there. But the other practical part is just, you know, non-tech Asian. I, I've i never even changed my team on Longshanks once. I I don't know how to do it.
0: Yeah. So... And kind of going back to the balance question, what would you guys say are the not-balanced parts of the game right now? Vet more. Okay, is it just Vet Boar? Corvelli. That's a big one. I mean, that's the one everybody's bitching about, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's Vet Boar, I Corvelli. Mean, it's kind of always with the game. There seems like there's always you know, that captain or two or three that it's just better than everybody else.
1: But I, I also think you could talk about balance on the low end, right? Like, balance goes both ways. So... Yes, people complain about the top end and something being OP because they have frustrating experiences about it. But if we're really being honest, we can look at the bottom end too, yeah. right? We can look at something like the cooks or you know other other teams that just suck, and we can break down those as, and, and still put that in the discussion of not balance. It's just that people don't often do that because they don't they had a good time playing against that shitty ass team.
0: Have you guys been looking at all like the strong meme game going on with uh Vetboar right now? Uh, no. There are so many good memes. Like if you go on like Gubs, there's a ton of memes where it's just it's just funny. Like <laughs> there's one where a guys like, Hey, fancy meeting up for some games of Guild Ball, and the guy's like, I'm gonna do what's called a pro gamer move,
1: and then he pulls out Vetboar. <laughs> or the yeah, I- <laughs> I, but i mean vet bore isn't vet Boar isn't the only one and and i i say this as somebody who has loved the butchers and played a lot of butchers um i don't i, I have no problem with the idea of bringing vet bore into balance i I would much rather have an opportunity to at least play a balanced cook team yeah so i don't I don't have an issue with with that
0: yeah that and, change. and- there's just a bunch of people that it's like you know I mean miners got hammered so bad so quickly and they didn't get hammered so bad but they got you know brought down quick and we're just sitting here vet bore is still kicking into the summer and
1: yeah it's I mean it, he's he's
0: there and he's just gonna be at the tournament at least probably 30 percent of your tournament's gonna be vet bore.
1: yeah that's just kind of boring
0: yeah I see what you did there
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: oh man so yeah don't play that board don't be that guy well, I mean you could I mean honestly people like him but I John you can speak this because you have more games than I do with him I just have the one it just seems kind of boring the play style of him it's just like kind of sit back all right they kind of expose themselves I'm gonna kill two or three models
2: right that's why I played rivet at um how's that because yeah I was playing I was doing really well I mean, I did really well with that board spring fling but if- I didn't have a whole lot of fun doing it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It just... Okay, now I'm pulling up these memes. Have you seen the Family Feud one? No. <laughs> it has Steve Harvey there. Um, and he asks, You're introducing a new player to the game. Which captain do you drop? And this girl hits the buzzer and goes, Vet Boar <laughs> And Steve Harvey has this expression like, What did
2: you just say? <laughs> I know that Steve Harvey face. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's
1: so good.
0: Uh, but yeah, definitely Vet Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and a lot of people argue once again, they're just like, oh, well, you got to learn how to play against him. And it's just like, he just makes the game really easy. I mean, I get there's ways to play around him, but he just, he just, he's good. It's just, he's really good. Oh, man. So another question that we had is somebody asked me personally, they were like, as a speed painter, will I be buying contrast paints? So I don't know if you guys have had a chance to buy the contrast paints yet, but they're pretty they're pretty solid, man. Really? Yeah, there's so one thing I would say though is there's a you don't need contrast paints for everything. I've I've been able to try one and I, I really like some of the contrast paints. Um, but I'm more like a lot of them where it's hard to blend that color. Like I feel like whites and yellows and colors like that are hard to paint well sometimes. So I I personally like using the contrast paints for those, but like other things that I don't need that for, like a lot of the metals and I have a rust effect I like doing a lot of, uh, reds I definitely don't need it for because I love blending reds and transitioning that. Uh, I won't be using contrast paints and I definitely wouldn't recommend it either just because those paints are pretty expensive. Uh, they're like 7 seven fifty a pop. Yep. So I, I definitely wouldn't use them for everything.
1: Yeah, the, the other thing about the contrast paints is there's a... Don't they take, like, longer to dry, too? Yeah, I mean, it's... So how does that affect you as a speed painter, right? Because, like, part of being a speed painter is getting all this on there and these paints dry quickly so you can layer up quickly or you can do all this other stuff.
0: When you are trying to paint stuff quickly, you got to like Henry Ford that stuff, right? You got to get yourself your assembly line, figure out what steps you're taking and just assembly line it out. So it's just like when I get to that wash stage, right? Because washes take a while to dry sometimes too. You just kind of get all your base colors down. Okay, I got that down. Okay, now I'm going to do the wash. Okay, now I'm going to do the contrast. Okay, now I'm going to go back to the layering then i'm gonna do the highlights then i'm gonna do the dry brushing whatever so you just have your stages it's just another step that you take if you are a speed painter so it's not that it's not that bad uh,
2: i I hate that assembly line painting shit why that's just so boring
0: listen it's not about having fun it's about getting (laughs) it done okay no
2: it's
1: (laughs) It's not about having fun
0: It's about cranking through the models.
2: No. I, I, I should I like should it.
1: tell somebody that when they're getting into a game and they're having like a frustrating experience playing be like, "Listen, hey, hey, this hey, hey. isn't about having fun. It's about getting as many games as quickly as possible so you get better." It's about them games. Doesn't matter about if you're good son.
2: Time. No. I like to play I like to play one model at a time and really focus on and have fun painting it. Which I don't do I, in Guild Ball, of course. Okay,
0: Bob Ross.
2: I wish I, I wish I could I turn my
0: mistakes
1: into birds.
0: Just remember, if you make a mistake when you're painting models, just use a wash.
1: (laughs) Oh, by the way, can I just like, since you mentioned Bob Ross, can I just tell a funny aside story here? Sure. So I went up to the UFC fights in Greenville this past weekend and had a great time. This dude comes out, this like tall, skinny dude with this big red afro. (laughs) And the dude's nickname, as like they were announcing his name on the on the card was Violent Bob Ross. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And he and he won by knockout. It was sick.
0: <laughs> but, so his name wasn't Bob Ross. His just nickname was Violent Bob Ross.
1: Yeah, like like his name I think is Luis Pena. Okay. But his nickname is Violent Bob Ross because he has this big red afro and big red beard. Like he, he does look like Bob Ross. Wow. So, yeah, new favorite fighter.
0: That's, a, that's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was funny. And good fight night. But um, anyway, that's, that's an aside. But, yes, for all of you boys and girls out there, if you make mistakes, that's okay. We often make mistakes and can turn them into better things.
0: <laughs> this is a good question. I'm kind of curious to see what you guys have to say about this. So this is from our boy uh, Josh Chichester up in uh, Michigan. So he asked, how awful people... Are that do that do sloppy and fast measurements/slash movements? So basically, he's asking like, how how much do you hate somebody that is slip shot or really quick or really inaccurate with their movements and and pre-measuring and stuff like that? It, it ruins the game. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that's I, that's five. I only think, move.
1: I I only think it matters if they're hypocrites about it.
0: So you mean if they're so if if I'm playing with good
1: if I'm playing with somebody and they're loosey goosey with the measurements and they're like yeah does that look like about five and then they just move the thing if I do that later in the game I don't want to hear a word I don't want to hear them be like oh you have to measure that like I I I try to give somebody what they're giving back to me so if they want to measure and be be very specific with their measurements and very careful with their measurements then I'll try to be more careful. If they're going to be kind of loose with it, then when I'm loose with it, I don't want to hear a peep.
0: Okay. So how do you figure that out though? Like, are you just kind of going as the game goes or are you setting that up at the beginning of the game where you're like, listen, I'm not going to be this strict with my movements. Like, like how do you, how does that conversation go?
2: It doesn't.
1: So I, I've <laughs> only, I've only had to have that conversation with one person and it's somebody I've never played against, yeah. but I'm, uh, I was concerned enough about it that if I ever do play this person, I didn't want to have a conflict, um, and that person is Glenwood, and I don't think he would mind me saying that I mentioned it. Glenwood is a very clean player, um, and I appreciate that he wants to be very exact. I am not as exact as he is, and so we've actually had a conversation where I said, you know, one day we're going to play, and I just want you to know, like, I am not nearly as clean as you are, but I'm never going to try and cheat you. Like, I'm not going to try and, I'm not going to try and take extra movement on my end, but then nitpick you over a quarter of an inch on yours. And, and he, he, like, I actually think that like, there was kind of this almost relief off of his shoulders that like, I was willing to be that open and honest and direct about it with him. Um, But yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of talk with my opponent and I can kind of see it pretty early on. Right. Like, because, you know, you've seen me play where, like, I'll just ask somebody, I'll be like, are you a piece with this being within six inches? And if the person, like, for a meaningless movement, like, at the very beginning of, of the game, is, like, really tight about that and wants to, like, measure out exactly six inches when it's really not going to have an effect later, um, then I know, okay, this person's going to be kind of tight with their movements. And if they're like, yeah, that looks good, then, you know, I, I know that they're going to be Pretty relaxed with their moves.
0: Yeah, I, I think it just depends on like how competitive they're trying to be or you're trying to be. Um, if it's a tournament, I would just say make sure you're playing clean, just period. Unless it's just you're, unless you're just at the you know mid tables and you both just don't really aren't that strict on it or something. But any tournament that I go into or any like preparation game where it's like okay, this is I'm treating this as a tournament game, I just always like hey, you know, okay, I don't think. And I've done this to Chris a few times where I was like, well, I don't think that was five inches, but I guess we're going with it now because you already moved your model.
1: <laughs> okay, so just to give like kind of the other side of this, and I just to let you know, I, I totally agree, and especially at the higher levels, a cleaner game is always a better a better way to play, and I, I get that. Um, there is a store that I played at, though, where they had a rule that was – like you couldn't get an arguments over a half, uh, over a quarter of an inch. Like like that was one of their one of their house rules at the at the store. Like yeah. If, if was that, the was mindset that in Utah? was was if if it if it was like a quarter of an inch difference, give your opponent the quarter inch. Like that was just the like and they were just trying to build the mentality that you that it was going to be a cooperative fun experience and that people weren't going to be sticklers over you know a quarter of an inch of movement and 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 i saw it work out well because then when there were times where there were people that were going to argue and the owner of the store held them to that rule and said hey we don't get in arguments over quarter of inch quarter inches here then they were magically able to be agreeable and
0: i i get that and I, I'll tell you, because I've obviously I've played games against new players and I've played games against people who have a lot less games than I do. And there will be times where it's like they are like, hey, I got this charge. It's eight inches away. And we put the measurement down and it's more than eight. I'm like, you want to know what? just make the charge that way you can see kind of what would happen. And I mean, there's plenty of times where in fun games like that, I don't hold people to measurements exact all the time because it's more about the experience of the game and having fun. But in tournament games, that's kind of like, yeah, that, that you missed, sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah, fun games, it's cool, whatever. Let's just have fun and just see what happens. But in tournament, you better be fucking exact.
0: Yeah, I can definitely understand that. I mean, that's kind of where I'm coming from, too. I mean, I've seen John before where he's just like, well, we actually cheated there, but it was kind of cool, so <laughs> let's just leave it the way it was. Oh, yeah.
2: Definitely. Like, I want. I just want to see what would happen if you did. If this could happen, so fucking do it. Let's go.
0: Yeah. Or there's sometimes where, you're just like, at a fun. You know, just having fun game, and you're just like, you I know what. Normally, I wouldn't do this, but let's see what would happen here. Let's get a little crazy. Uh So yeah, it's just one of those things where it can be frustrating, especially at tournaments, because there was man, what was that big? Was it Vengeance last year? Maybe there was a tournament last year where the guy basically picked up, moved the model, and did something. And it clearly was against the rules. Like, it, it was a violation of it. But it happened so quickly, and the other player didn't respond. But everybody that saw it on stream was like, what is this guy doing? Because he was like, you know, low on clock, and he just was making this huge error. And I can't remember exactly what it was because it's been about a year. But it, it was one of those things where it, it's just – Clean play, especially in tournaments, can go a long way. So I definitely encourage clean play over just kind of the uh, <laughs> over just the uh, kind of loosey goosey play. I mean, I think
2: you can if, if your opponent's not clean like that. I think you can set the you can set the bar by measuring it like double measuring for them at the, at the beginning. Like they want to do something, and you're like, that's not it. You just you measure it, and I think they kind of get most people get the point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll do the same thing where I'm like, hey, let me check that real quick, and you know, I'll put like a six inch widget down and then a proxy, and be like, okay, well, you're actually a little short here, or you know, you don't quite have the range for that. So that's definitely something I've done as well. Right. I guess we're waiting for Chris to get back on here. Yeah, yeah I'm here. <laughs> All right. The old old tech ninja.
1: I I don't know why I just cut out. I didn't even touch anything. No, it was- yeah, my internet's usually pretty fast here. So, I would
0: whatever. say it was breaking up a little bit there before you cut out. So, okay, well, might have just been reconnect. spot. Might yeah. have just been spotty.
2: You and your shitty, bumfuck beach internet.
0: You got the uh, squirrels working. Squirrels working hard in the back.
1: I want to talk about new games if we're at that point.
0: All right. Well, I'm gonna. I got one question specifically for John, and then we can kind of venture into okay. into the new game. Okay, so. Brett from uh, from Texas, John. This one's specifically for you because he was asking about the Lord of the Rings game because apparently Brett has over two hundred figs painted up for that game. Nice. Yeah, and I'll put, I'll show you some of the pictures that that he sent me. But question that he was asking is just he's curious how your games are going there since uh, Guild Ball is kind of slow right now. He's just wondering like yeah, how's your games in the uh, Lord of the Rings going? Oh, it's
2: awesome. But we're playing we're playing Battle Companies mostly, which is the smaller version. It's kind of our you know, it's a narrative, you kind of do two of scenarios, and your battle company grows each week. And it's kind of, we, we've we haven't we've kind of done it th- three times, and I started with elves, and then I went with the uh, the dwarves from Erebor, and now we're, like, completely switched, and I'm doing the Dark Denizens of Mirkwood. So I'm playing, like, spiders and wargs and shit. It's fucking fun, man. It's so fun. Yeah. Let me see these pictures you sent me. Uh, yeah, it's... So-
0: <laughs> yeah, so... It, it does sound fun. And I told you, I mean, if somebody played that even close to uh, where we are here in Charleston, I would be all about that game because Lord of the Rings definitely, definitely the top of like fantasy movies for me. Like that, that's like number one. Like, oh, yeah. I love
2: it. Like, like Lord orcs of the Rings and sweet. then The Hobbit. His orcs look awesome. But yeah. uh, so I've like kind of switched for the bigger game, for the whole Middle Earth strategy battle game outside of Battle Companies. I've switched. I started with Rivendell Elves and thought those were really cool. But I've switched and like said, fuck it, man. I want to play monsters. So I just I just finished painting the watcher in the water, which I'll send you a picture of. Yeah, badass miniature with all the freaking uh, tentacles everywhere. It's um, I don't know, it's fun as hell. Did you
0: go to a tournament for that?
2: I did. I went to a little like a tournament up in Kingsport, Tennessee, where it's kind of you brought a fifteen hundred point list, which is huge, but it was broken into four different scenario so you pay, you you broke your fifteen hundred points into into four so like an average of three seventy five and played three different scenarios with each one. Um and I did terrible. I didn't I, I took the Rivendell <laughs> I did terrible.
0: Oh man. How many people were in that tournament?
2: Uh there were eight of us.
0: Okay, that's that's decent size. Yeah it
2: was bad. There you go. I sent you a picture to watch. I freaking loved painting it's my favorite miniature I've ever put together. I've got the Balrog coming now.
1: Oh, that's a sick model. So let me ask you let me ask you a question about these. Um with with these models, right? Because like obviously it's kind of a closed universe, right? And there's limitations on how much the game can expand. So how do they support that game with like a closed universe like that?
2: Um, just getting into it, I don't know. The full answer. I know there's been a few different versions. Like this is the third version of it. They started out Lord of the Rings. And I guess they did everything, Lord of the Rings, and they did The Hobbit where, you know, they got smog and they got Thorin's company and stuff. But, I mean, the models, it is, like, every model, every mentioned in the book is in the game.
0: Yeah, quick history on the game, because I I think I know more about the startup than you, John, because I was actually playing. Yeah, but uh, it basically got started off as, like, a skirmish game. So it actually came out, Chris, where you would buy these boxes of, like, um, the Minds of moria box and you would buy that box and you'd play that scenario out with the figs and then they did that for a bit and then what they switched to is war of the rings which was hey we're putting out these factions you can recreate these huge battles with you know all this different stuff that kind of died down a little bit i don't think the mechanics of that game was very great and then eventually i think it evolved into what john's playing now with all these battle companies and everything else, so they still have the old figures, which some of them aren't so great. Some are, some are pretty cool, but now they they also have all the Hobbit stuff in there too, and it's pretty sweet. At least the figures.
2: Uh, that's just saying the models are awesome, and there's so much you can play anything from little, you know, four point goblins to Smog, who is the most points in the game. He's at seven hundred by himself.
1: <laughs> okay, Smog. Smaug. So with. With this game, like, the reason why I asked that question is everyone knows that we're getting into Song of Ice and Fire, and that's a closed universe as well, right? right? So, there's only, like, so much expanding that can happen. So, is... I I mean, like, I would imagine that with this game, all the major stuff is out, right? All the the big-named characters are already out. So, when they add to it, how often are they adding to it and... What are they? Are they just releasing like a another type of uh, orc that got mentioned in the Simurilian at this point, think, or what? How, how are they? Doing? I don't
2: think there's much in the way of mo- more models coming out. That all I've seen so far. As I've been playing it long, is more scenarios and gameplay styles kind of coming out. You know, they've kind of expanded oh, okay. to that. They 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 did Battle Companies book. They put a second Battle Companies book, which is completely expanded that into different battle companies you can get. Um, and then they've started putting out some different boxes, like combination boxes for battle companies um, that okay. combine some of the older models. Um,
0: I, I think the game has the same feel. Like you guys, I mean, because I, I have a lot of friends that actually, you want to know it, Chad probably plays a lot of these these games, uh, John, where basically like a lot of it's like historical periods game. Like, yeah, man, that's all, you know, there'll that's be like people. the Napoleonic, yeah, there'll be like the Napoleonic kind of figures and stuff. And it's the same thing where if you're getting updates, it's more from the books and not the models.
1: Uh, okay, I got you.
0: So th- that's kind of the way that they keep it fresh is like, hey, you know, now here's the rule set for, you know, this battle or this scenario. So like, you know, for for the song of Feist and Feist, Ice and Fire that, you, you know, we're getting into a little bit, Chris, that'd be like, you know, okay, here's a book on how you can do these different scenarios like, you know, Battle of the Bastards or, you know, whatever you want to, whichever scenario you'd want to do.
1: Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah, because cause I've kind of considered that, like, so far they've announced things like the Baratheons are coming out and they're going to be with the Tyrells. And I was like, well, how are they going to release models if they're already combining houses into one faction? Like, how are they going to handle that? I mean, there's yeah. only so many that you can go to. And some don't really have enough for them to be standalone. Like House Aaron can't really be on its own based on the information that we have from the books and TV show. Right. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, eventually, and I I don't I'm not an old school gamer by any means. Like I have been doing this for a few years now. Uh, you know, probably about five years or so. Um, but eventually, I'd like to be able to have models and armies. From all the games that I play And then whatever situation arises, it's like okay You know these guys are playing These guys are playing Lord of the Rings So let me break out my Lord of the Rings shit and I've got The faction that I know and love and Want to play and you know they, <laughs> Same with the war machine or Whatever.
0: That's funny because that's like The total opposite of what I do Chris I basically like I'm not playing this game anymore just throw it all in the fire, or sell it, whatever And if I want to play that game again I'll just buy into it again <laughs> Yeah, you
1: like painting more than I do I'm like, once I get a paint job on there I'm like, okay, I'm satisfied with this paint job I'm happy, I'm going to Hold on to these models yeah. So, yeah, that's that, that. My philosophy is very different And I don't understand how someone can afford to do the other Like, how, how they can, like, sell it at a discount But buy these models retail when they're new And all this kind of stuff
0: Yep,
1: it's just it's just the way of the world sometimes. I I, I guess yes. <laughs> but so let me ask you another question about this game, John. Which which faction or crew or army would I play? Hmm. Which which is the one that's my game style?
0: Probably the Urukai. Maybe them. Uh, I don't know. Maybe dwarves.
2: Okay. Maybe oh man,
0: I, dude, I would I would love to play like Dane. Like with the Iron Foot, that would oh, be man. so freaking sweet.
1: That's my.
2: I've got that model. Him on his big uh, War Pig. Oh man, <laughs> I got him. I've got him and some of the Goat Riders. That's so. If I'm playing good now, I'm playing Iron Heels and Mirkwood. So Thranduil. I've got Thranduil on his Elk and Dane on his Pig. <laughs> That's sweet. And then uh, if I'm playing bad, I'm just playing big monsters.
0: Yeah, I would say like I, I would think Chris would be like you know the White Hand of Sauron with you know the. The Yurikai and that—that's yeah, that's that, your was, style,
2: Chris. Just... pretty cool. Chad plays the the uh, yeah. 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 I
1: I do do well with things that have axes. I have found over
2: the years. Really? Oh yeah. I'm about that like. Axes are dwarves, man.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. My butchers, my kador. <laughs> like if, if we can throw some axes to the face in there, I'm happy. My my uh, umber berserkers that I now have. Chris, you have also started playing a new game. You've gotten into Songs
0: of uh, Ice and Fire, mm-hmm. and how are you finding that game? Because I think you have about you know probably two and a half, three games in now.
1: Yeah, so I, I've actually really enjoyed it. I've tried to expand on learning this game slowly. So at first, it, because we...
0: th- for those that don't play the game, the Game of Thrones you know tabletop game, it is a pretty like it's a basic game but man they have a bunch of scenarios and rules that really build up on it well but it's detailed
1: yeah so what we've tried to do is the first time you know we were we just broke out models and just put them on the table and tried to figure out the mechanics of a turn yeah and there's a funny story
0: there if you want to share it which which story the one where you were playing the starks and i was playing the lannisters at the store and we and we were. And we were, what, what, we were through...
1: I, I don't know what you're referring to. Right, now, well, so go well, I'm going to
0: set it up, and you can add into it because as soon as I say it, you're going to know it. But okay. but we were deploying our units, right? So in this game, you you go back. <laughs> I and know forth.
1: exactly what story now.
0: You go back and <laughs> forth, and we get done deploying, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Oh, Chris, you know, you need to deploy that cavalry unit over there."
1: Yeah, so I have these like Stark outriders with like Brendan Tully as like their their attachment, and I'm like. Uh, so we, we we deploy all of our guys and Brendan Tully has a rule that says that he can leave himself off the board and then deploy at the beginning of any turn on on any table edge. Yeah. And so I tell Pete this, <laughs> and Pete looks up at me and he's like, uh, "Yeah, okay, so we're not doing that this time."
0: My my <laughs> specific words were, "Yeah, can we not? Can, can we, can <laughs> we not, not do this?
1: Can we not do that?" So, you know, I don't. So I have... was like, "But that's why I picked him." <laughs> And he goes, "You didn't even know that was a rule till you broke out your cards right now." And I'm like, "We're trying to learn the rules." I was just so, like,
0: "I was like, I already got enough stuff. I'm trying to learn. I don't need, you know, getting, you know, ass charged by this cavalry unit."
2: <laughs> oh, the good old ass charge.
0: Yeah, I don't need like you know Gandalf charging down the you know hill at Helm's Deep.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Because that's what it would have so, been.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we we've we've been getting into this game. This is my first game that's like has movement trays, so I was actually a little bit nervous about getting into that game. Okay, getting into so, so game what are your thoughts now that you played with them? Um, i I like it. I mean, I still do feel like it's a little bit stiff as far as you know moving a whole unit together. But I, I can, I can see how how it is. Like, I mean, you just kind of have to make an adjustment in your head that it's not an individual base and it's the whole platform and kind of adjust and plan ahead for having to move the whole thing instead of just one model. So uh, it's, it's fine. I I don't, I'm not like, man, I'm converted over to movement trays now or (laughs) anything like that, but it's, it's, I I haven't had a bad experience with it.
0: Yeah. It's definitely a different mindset, but I, I like it because I like that, you know, medieval style of fighting where it's like, you know, you have your lines and then it's all about trying to outflank your opponent and outposition your opponent. And that's why I used to play a lot of Warhammer Fantasy. So this game's got a couple cool points for me as far as that goes. Also, the models are dope is all. Yes, all. they are. those
1: The Flayed Knights. Those Yeah, the Bolton Flayed Men. Those yes. models are
0: disgustingly awesome.
1: Yeah, I need to find a way to do... like I got to talk to one of my buddies that like he had a really cool way of doing blood effects where like it left like the trails off of the blood... I mean John has a pretty cool blood paint that he's used. I don't know how you get that effect, John. Uh
2: hot glue gun. Yeah, hot glue gun and blood for the blood okay. god.
1: Yeah, so maybe I'll have to do something like that. But like yeah, they they they've got like these cat of nine tails and stuff on their models that are, you know, just designed for ripping up flesh. So Did you see yeah, uh,
0: definitely curious to see what the dragons are going to look like when they come out eventually. Hopefully they look like badass motherfuckers. Did
2: you see the uh, followers of Bone or whatever was that come out?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. They're the they're part of the uh, the free folk. Yeah,
2: game. those look and sweet. They got like
1: the, this bone armor and shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely cool. I, I like, and I can't wait to put my boy Joffrey on the table. Oh Jesus, <laughs> you're you're a dick.
2: See <laughs> um. I'm waiting for the Dothraki to come out.
1: It's gonna be cool. Yeah, those Targaryens, like, the cool thing about the Targaryens, in theory, is they have such different types of units that it could create some really fun combos as far as how to play. Yeah. I, w- I would guess, but we'll see. All I know is if you play against the Night's Watch and Ghost is on the table, he will fuck your shit up, so yeah, it's I recommend committing whatever you need to commit To killing fucking ghosts right away. Why do you hate
0: ghosts so much?
1: Well, first of all, I don't like that he's way better than my fucking dire wolf. (laughs) Oh, excuse me. Dire wolves. Uh, He's better than all of them that I could have access to. So, (laughs) that fucking pisses me off. He's Jon
0: Snow's wolf. I mean, come on.
1: Dude, okay. So, I know that Pete hasn't played with, like, the tactics cards in this game yet. Because, like, we weren't playing with all that shit. We were just trying to move stuff around. But once you start playing with the tactics cards, it can like really change your game because they are things like if you declare a charge, you can, um, all of this number hit or our are, are auto wounds or, you know, th- things like that. Like, so they can drastic, excuse me, they can drastically change the game based on which tactics cards you play and, fucking ghost if he attacks one of your units it doesn't matter which unit it is he can make it to where you can't play your tactics cards for the rest of the fucking turn
0: like like,
1: this is some bullshit
0: it's like that unit or everybody
1: no like i cannot play my tactics cards (laughs) for all of my fucking units so if if ghost goes first or more importantly if rob goes first and then links ghost because they have a linked ability surprise the fucking prize he
2: meant john yeah
1: John, sorry, John. Yes. If John goes first, and then he links with Ghost, so then Ghost activates right away, he basically gets two turns, and I can't play any fucking tactics cards. That's good to know, (laughs)
2: because I just bought Night's Watch Box today, and I need to know how to play them. Boom.
1: that's some fucking horse shit. And, (laughs) I would recommend to anybody that is listening to this, commit whatever resources you need to kill fucking Ghost immediately.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Which is tough, though, because dire wolves move kind of like monsters and cavalry so that can be easier said than done sometimes
1: no the way that I'm going to do it is anytime somebody puts the knight's watch on the table I'm going to bring those fucking archers and I'm going to shoot his fucking ass off wow
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is that shit is not happening again <laughs>
0: <laughs> you will not fool me again
1: yeah fool me once shame on you fool me twice you shouldn't be fooling people
0: yeah John
1: those followers of bone are pretty sick models
2: yeah that, those are unreal
1: Dude, the followers of Bone, the giants for those free folk are tight as all Did hell. Did you see that
2: picture I just sent you, the minis that are coming with followers of Bone? In the group chat? With the guy with the, like, skulls on a rope? Yeah. That's sick.
1: Yeah, see, I like that shit.
0: Like Papa Django over there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: man. So, yeah, so you all have been listening to the Game of Thrones uh, Song, Ice, and Fire podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey we 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 did choose a name for this podcast that wasn't necessarily attached to one game
0: that is true i mean and i think that also just relating this back to guild ball you actually do want to have another game besides just guild ball or you do want to have another game besides whatever game you love playing just because i think you do need to reset you do need this like a time period where it's like okay i just need to put these away for a bit i mean because like you guys know the last like eight months or so, been pretty good and pretty heavy on Guild Ball. I mean, a lot of tournaments, um, just a lot of events, a lot of things getting put up, and you know, you just need to reset once in a while. So I know it seems like we're down on Guild Ball, which I think a lot of people interpret as like, oh my God, the game's ending. But I think that's just the way everybody's feeling. The game's still a really clean game. Sure, some things need to be tweaked and maybe, you know, something to kind of get people back into it and excited a little bit. But that's natural with any game. You're just going to have time periods where it's like, okay, this is down right now. Let me go play this game. So definitely healthy.
1: Yeah, I I think that... And every meta needs a refreshing from time to time. And so I I have no issue with... Like, one person that really wants to get into this that I just heard about is Francisco down here. Yeah. Who we haven't seen playing Guild Ball in, like, many moons. But now he wants to play Song of Ice and Fire... You better believe I am absolutely willing to go play Song of Ice and Fire just to be able to play play games with a friend that hasn't been in the group for a while. Yep. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about that. Um, did you want to say anything else about Song of Ice and Fire? Or are we?
0: I mean, I, I think we're pretty pretty good with that. Unless there was something else you wanted to add.
1: No, I, I wanted to mention I wanted to mention that I finally got those uh, those Walking Dead models on the table. Okay, yeah, so Walking Dead. <laughs> that game was fun as hell at Russ's house. It's a tight little board. It's only like a two by two map. So it's not like a difficult to play and like you only need like a few models. But there are so many fun components to that game. Like, <laughs> like we, were, we were basically just playing a simple scenario where it was like run out and collect, you know, collect these little piles of supplies or whatever. And because of the mechanics of the game, like, if you run, it, like, brings the walkers' attention. So, like, there was one point where, like, I ran and startled the walkers so that, like, then they started running toward me. But it, like, actually ran them right into Russ's models. (laughs) And he got all fucking pissed. Um, There was another point where, like, I could have won and just, like, taken my supplies off the board. And instead I turned around and, like, shot at Russ's models for no reason. Like, there's there's a lot of – there's definitely a fun screw you factor to that game, but there's also an element where, like, you can play where you're just going for what you want to go and it's not really about the interaction with your opponent because – the walkers provide enough of a challenge in and of themselves. There's also co-op modes that you can play so that everyone's like working and pulling together. You can play, this is a game where very easily you could play with multiple people. Like you can make it four players and still have it be competitive and fun. I'm bummed that I didn't get into and put these models on the table a little bit sooner. So the thing though is do either of you still watch that show? No, but I love the comics.
2: <laughs> no, I haven't finished it yet.
0: I was gonna say because I mean the show's still going, right? The show's not like ended. I think it
2: finished. It wasn't Wasn't this past season the final season? I have no
1: idea. I thought they were like halfway through the final season. I'm like a season and a half behind, ish. I think it yeah, just. I, I think
2: so. it just finished, but I. Ha-
1: it's still on my DVR, so I'll watch it. But. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things where
0: I don't know. I think it was season six or seven. I was just kind of like, and hey, no, I think I'm done with this series.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, but this game is all based on, like... I know, I, know. The, I got that. ...the comics, so, like, just because Walking Dead, the TV show, isn't as entertaining doesn't mean that the... Yeah, I was just asking, just offhand. It doesn't have anything to do with the game. Okay. Yeah, no, the, like, and I get it, like, Walking Dead was more popular previously, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I think that this is another one where, you know, the, the models aren't as good as Song of Ice and Fire. I agree with that. Uh, but, I mean, they're fine. They're they're not they're not shit. It's not like you pick them up and they're like the plastics that are like rubber. <laughs> um, so anyway, so the like yeah, I think that this is going to be a more fun, you know, kind of quick skirmishy type game because I recognize that that Song of Ice and Fire game it will take a long time to play. It will be a good amount of setup. It's going to be a lot of painting. I, I recognize what it's going to end up being, but this game is going to I I I think I'm going to definitely have it in rotation. Like it was so easy, you know, like that 2x2 two two mat can fit on any dining room table. You don't have to worry about a 4x4 four four at somebody's house or at a game store. I uh, I I'm going to try to be playing this walking dead game more often.
0: Yep, and you both already know I've been keeping my time with some magic, so I've been busy with that cardboard crack.
1: I Man, you're going to start you're going to start forgetting how to roll dice. I know. Because you're like a card flipper now.
0: Hey, you have to roll dice to see who goes first.
1: Oh my gosh, (laughs) you're a nerd. Ridiculous. Are you just playing Magic, or are you doing like uh, Underworlds with those dudes down at the shop? Um, I do occasionally
0: play Underworlds. I, I don't know. I'm just more into Magic right now. As far as like my off game, if I'm going to play a tabletop game right now, that's not Guild Ball. I would rather play Song of Ice and Fire. I think that's more entertaining to me right now than the
1: Warhammer Underworld stuff. So I'm more opt to play that game. I, I will say this. Those, the one big benefit to those hex games is for people that do want to play really clean and they feel like that is, to go back to that question, that that's something that is a negative experience for them is not playing clean. Hex games are a solution to that. So like you you know how many you can go and that that's that. So I, I I like that idea and I would encourage people in that direction if they're people that are very focused on playing clean. But All right, well, yeah. a- any other
0: parting blows, thoughts, games, guild ball before we uh before we bounce out of here?
2: Nah. Man. <laughs> nah. nah. We good.
1: Well, well, we'll give we'll give everyone updates as we play more games, as we play Ball in the future. And yeah, I, I, I hope that what I anticipate, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I'm hoping that, you know, we're able to talk about even more games and give people more of an experience and a heads up on different things that are out there and options and what's fun and what's competitive and what isn't and all of that kind of stuff
0: yeah and obviously we're you know we're still kind of like a guild ball centered podcast but chris and i always said from the beginning that you know we're just we're just gamers right we just we have all these great games that we like playing and you know we're going to share our experiences with all those different types of games so we definitely don't limit ourselves just to guild ball I, i love all sort like there's really not that many tabletop games that I don't like like I don't think I've ever played a tabletop game and been like man this really should or you know this really what about should.
1: Age of Sigmar
0: uh, even that there's stuff ab- <laughs> there's stuff about it I like I more don't play that out of spite <laughs> <laughs> you know so that's that's more on me than it is the game
1: no oh, so it's not like it's not like that game is the TGI Fridays of games it, it kind of is and
0: I tried try to look past it, and I just couldn't. Uh, hopefully everyone knows the TGI Friday story. I think most people do by now, but if not, yeah, yeah. I hold a grudge. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck TGI Fridays.
1: All right, good, good and sign us off there, Chris. All right, everybody, a roll dice, throw salt. We'll see you next time. Please.